Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today, we've got Dr. Ryan Chow. He's back. Uh, Dr. Chow is a physical therapist and personal trainer, and he's the founder of Reload, a physical therapy and performance company based out of New York City. Welcome back, Dr. Chow. Thank you, J.P. I really appreciate spending time with you guys. It's, uh, it's always a good time for me. So hopefully uh, everyone enjoys this. Well, likewise, we always enjoy uh, having you on. You're a wealth of knowledge. Uh, you're very enlightening. So uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on um, is because the last couple of podcasts have really been impactful for a lot of people. I know of at least one person that's hopped on a plane and gone to visit you for um, a personal uh, an assessment in person. Uh, so we wanted to dive into uh, that a little deeper into the roots of your philosophy on physical therapy and also some of the ways it may contrast with the status quo. Um, and last time we had you on, you were about to uh, host a reload workshop with Marty Gallagher and, and Master Chief Henderson. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that and see how that went. So Anyway, welcome back. We got a lot to talk about. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that that uh, workshop was one of the best uh, I've ever attended, and I'd already learned from Marty maybe like four or five times in person already, and I still took away so much. Uh, just clarifying the details, getting deeper into it, and then uh, hearing from Hendo and his his take on all that stuff was. We got a lot of really good feedback, so we want to run it back and and build on that soon. And Hendo could tell you how it worked in the real world, you know, how how all those techniques helped him in combat and all his all his troops, man. It's it's good to have the teacher and the student there also, you know. Yeah, and that's and that's the best part. It's like Mar what Marty always talks about. If this stuff is stress test and battle tested and it right. works at the highest level, then uh, I don't I'll have confidence that it'll work with anyone else uh, that I see at my level. Right. Yeah. And you don't have time to to go through a bunch of different kind of uh, routines and things. You got to find what works and stick with it. And that's what those guys have done. That's the system. Yeah, I love that. They, they said, if uh, for me, I'm not like the type of person that likes to work out, you know, two hours a day, five days a week. I like to do as little as possible to get results. So um, Marty delivers on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously <clears throat> we all have busy lives and, you know, it's a, very few of us have two hours a day to devote toward anything, much less fitness, right? Right. And even if you do, Marty, is it the smart thing to do two hours? You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. How much of that is actual right. productive work and how much of it is because you enjoy the environment and, you know, you enjoy shifting, floating from this machine to that machine, doing your little sub-maximal sets, feeling good about yourself. But nothing ever really changes, does it? No. But, but uh, for, for me in my world, the reason why I was so drawn to this is I'm, I'm a clinician. I'm a physical therapist. People come to me for uh, getting out of pain. And uh, what we know is some sort of training is always a part of it. In fact, it's the main part of it. And really understanding that uh, that's why I wanted to find ways that none of my clients want to train. So I need to find ways where they can get effective training the shortest amount of time possible. Because I know every physical therapist has trouble with 
what we call like uh, compliance, right? Which is right. like a dirty word. We want people to do the program. So we got to make it as easy for people as possible. And the people who don't recognize that that's the best way to approach, then they're going to fall short. You know? Even if you come up with the best program, if people don't do it. it won't work. And, and strength is not the only thing in the, in the remedial and healing process. Strength is an important characteristic, but you, you also have a ton of other tools and tactics that you've got to bring to bear trying to, trying to heal a person, right, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a, a lot of times strength is one thing that's missing, but there's a lot of other biomotor qualities right. that someone might need. It, it just comes down to what their goals are. And uh, yeah. I think that's, that's what we do that's different is we actually identify what the person's goal is and we break down all the requirements for so that person to be successful at it. We assess what they have, what they don't have, and then we create the program that addresses what they don't have, and, and that's how they get better. And, and there's there's no client that you've ever met that can't stand to be stronger, right? Absolutely. It's it just doesn't. Uh, it, it's it's just so uh, misunderstood. Uh, there's yeah. almost everyone would benefit from that. <laughs> it, it, you know, I say this all the time on a podcast. When in life is being weak better? Yeah. And, and I want to say, I want to say too, I just sat through one of these assessments, most of it, because I had, uh, I had Ryan assess my youngest daughter and she's got uh, scoliosis. So she's got some pain in her back. So I thought it'd be real interesting to, to have uh, Ryan assess her and watch it and uh, just see what he does. And it was very, very interesting. And first of all, when you get assessed by Ryan, um, it's about a two hour, maybe sometimes a little bit longer process because he dives in and he gets you, you're on the floor, you're doing different exercises, you're doing stretches. He finds out exactly what, what hurts, what is causing that pain, what movements cause that pain, what you can do to warm up that pain, make that pain feel better uh, for the exercises that are best to try to strengthen and heal that area. So this is no regular assessment. We were talking about before we got on, on the podcast about um, she had, my daughter had gone to another physical therapist and it's like a, uh, it's like a, a, a cattle drive almost, you know, one person comes in the chute, they do their, their canned assessment or canned workout and then they move them through and in comes the, the next one. Um, so you're, you're not truly assessing okay. the, the root of the problem and how to really address that. You're just coming in and doing a bunch of exercises that pretty much everybody else does. Right, Ryan, would you say that's, that's kind of true? Yeah, it's, it's, that's totally accurate. Like it, I can't, uh, give someone a, a proper plan unless I understand who they are, what, what they're going through, why they're doing certain things, uh, understanding their concerns, their fears, all, all the things that uh, drive uh, uh, them to, or, or all the things that are influencing the pain, because right. what I learned from- their history, their history, yeah. Exactly, their history, right. their story. That's the most important piece. In the two hour assessment, we're spending about 30 to 45 minutes just getting to know the person, because mm -hmm. that's more important than anything else. Like. At the end of the day, I know everyone's going to strive. They're going to do some sort of pushing, pulling, and lunging because uh, 
those are the demands of their life. But how do I pick the right one? How do I pick the right load? How do I do that? Well, it just goes back to their goals. It goes back to what they have, what they want, um, and then connecting those two. And how deep a hole they're standing in. Say again? How deep a hole they're standing in. Exactly. Because right. I started to think about it this way. Like, sure, all, all the people that, are, you know, are trainers and, and PT chiropractors that I know, that everyone knows squats, right? But not everyone gets the same results with their squats. Why do some people get better results than others? You have to understand the context of the squat, you know, not just the reps and sets and the volume, but like, you know, the, the frequency, the, the recovery between them, how they're progressing it, uh, what variation, all these things are, are levers that can be pulled to really <laughs> nail the, their, that person's sweet spot. We call it right, right person, right treatment, right time, or right yeah. person, right exercise, right time. And, and Ryan, you know the best person to ask about squats? Somebody who's dedicated 60 years of their life to the study of it. Right. I love yeah. that. And, and, ha and has mentored under world champions and created world champions. Oh, and that's right. I am a world champion too. Well, Marty, it's funny. It's funny because I got to sit in for this. Ryan calls them Marty squats. And my, my daughter came away from this thing calling them Marty squats. I said, I've been teaching you Marty squats for the past couple of years and you never listen to me. Now all of a sudden they're Marty squats. Oh, well, excuse me, but we, we had been telling you to do Jimmy, tell him. I know, whatever. Oh, I know what you said. The ACL, what was it? I forget now. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, meniscus. When is Dr. Chow, you know, thus spoketh Dr. Dr. Chow out from heaven. Dr. Chow Jason, is my hero. And JP started squatting. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't listen to us. We told him that from the first time we met. No, 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 my back, my back. My, doctor, my doctor says that I could break my back in half and I could die. That's what, it, you're not a doctor, Marty. See, we're not doctors. So we got to have that in our I program. like to I like to get multiple opinions, but I will say, like I've said before now, I've got three herniated discs in my L5 area. And since I, that first podcast with Dr. Ryan Chow, um, he reassured me that I could, I could do these, the squats and the deadlifts and things. And I've been really taking my time and building up slow and perfecting my form with Brad Gillingham. That's, so, way we, that's the way we do it when we're not injured. My, now I'm doing lightweight, but my back has never felt so stable and healthy and to, you know, when, when uh, I have to go pick up a bag of dog food or whatever, it's, I don't even think twice about it now. There's no sensitivity there. It's just so much better. That's, that's amazing to hear. You know, JP, you said the magical word, it's reassurance. And, uh, you know, again, I learned from Dr. Craig Levinson too, and he's been uh, spreading what, what the, the best research has been for back pain. And for 30, 40 years, we've known that reassurance is, uh, the first line of defense because most people go to the doctor like you guys just explained the doctor tells you stop squatting stop doing this stop doing that because it's bad for you when in fact the evidence and the research says that we should be reassuring people that movement is actually safe because it you know you can't you can't rest away this pain you have to uh continue valued life activities if someone's telling you not to squat they're telling you not to get up and down from the chair they're telling you not to get up and down from the toilet yes. That's ridiculous. You just like what Marty said is when you're not injured and when you are injured, it's the same thing. You start with what you can do and you build it up slowly. And it's that simple, but. And the poison is in the, the poison is in the dose. 
Exactly. And, and, that's, and that's why I went to study with Marty is because why am I trying to learn squatting from uh, people who've never uh, used it across all populations to reach all kinds of results? Why don't I uh, listen to what Marty thinks are the most important levers to pull when it comes to prescribing a squat? And uh, it's, it just and, works. You know? And Ryan, at, at, at 70 years old, Marty has, has proven that these techniques and tactics make you bulletproof. He has no back problems. He has no, no, no ailments, no. anything like that. So <laughs> and, and never, and never, and, ne and never have had, I've never had a serious back injury. I've never had a serious leg injury. Uh, in fact, I really haven't had any minor injuries, but I attribute that <clears throat> to getting taught right, right from the start. I mean, I was taught by grown men who really you know they really knew their business and they didn't uh suffer fools lightly so you got right you got it right or you got gone right yeah and that's that's the kind of the how i learned but those those techniques have kept me safe all these decades and that's what i'm trying to pass on to other people there are ways to squat there are ways to deadlift there are ways to bench press there are ways to overhead press safely and and yet you can still take it to that critical cusp of your capacity because unless you unless you equal or exceed capacity there's no incentive for the adaptive response i'm sorry i wish there was i wish muscles would grow in response to submaximal effort that would be fabulous yeah but it doesn't happen yeah yeah and i was just thinking about you know we we're all talking about assessing earlier and you think about how many times you squatted as a kid and Hugh Cassidy watched you squat or Dimma, all those guys yeah. in the basement and said, now, Marty, you're on the front of your foot there. Yeah. You know, sit back or, you know, whatever. Just yeah. tiny. Marty, have you moved your stance in? Marty, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And then when we do the seminars, I was just thinking about this and we're at Mike Krifka's place and everybody's doing the goblets and nobody doesn't get looked at over and over and over again. And, and we don't move on until everybody's satisfied, all the teachers yeah. are satisfied that everybody's got that. Yeah. You know, and, and then you compare that to, you know, somebody who's just walking in a gym and a personal trainer or whatever, who's <clears throat> sort of looking at their phone and, oh, that's good or whatever. It just doesn't. Uh, well, they don't, they, they don't, they, they don't have a, 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 an archetypical technical benchmark like we well, do. They don't, and they don't have a system. It's, it's got to be a system, you know, it's, it's not haphazard. You, you just huh. don't go in there and say, ah, that's okay. You know, you'll get better as you go. No. Our, the our, off. Our, our, our other t-shirt slogan, Jim, techniques and tactics. Techniques and tactics. I like it. Hold on. Hold on. I'm writing that down. <laughs> oh God. You say that every show. And so I love, I love the techniques. <laughs> uh, but you know, in my world as, as a physical therapist, everyone, uh, becomes a form, uh, uh, it becomes a form police, and yes, form is is and technique is very important. But I find that most people overemphasize form, which ends up being a barrier to to progress because they re, they don't move forward right. until everything's perfect all the time. Which right. I, I understand you have to know what the the, the arch, archetypical form should look like. But the other part that most people I find don't understand are the tactics and the tactics. Uh, it, you know, is you got to push overload. some sort of, you got to push one of the variables up. Right. right? You got to have overload. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I think is missing. Everyone in my world keeps people in what um, 
Craig calls uh, rehab purgatory, where they're just doing <laughs> low-level exercise over and over and over, and they never push it forward. Yeah, yeah, rehab purgatory. Yeah, Brian, you're you're taking people out of their comfort zone, right? Because yeah. you're 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 getting them to where where they need to be with these exercises, but then you're having them progress where a, a normal PT might say, okay, that's enough for today or, or whatever you've, you know, won't really push them to progress like they should safely, but that's what you're doing. You're, you're pushing them out of their, you're encouraging them to get out of their comfort zone to progress and get stronger and get better. You have to. The only thing that I do is find a safe starting point and then show people, okay, just add, you know, like, like Marty told us, add five to 10 pounds a week, uh, hit your top set and move on. And the, the thing that I do that is linking it back to the reassurance is most of the people I've seen have been told not to do this, not to do that. So first I show them that it's okay because I'll find a movement or an activity that's, you know, painful or, or stiff or, or hard to do. And then we'll find the right dosage of the, the right exercise, whether it's a, you know, like a warm-up exercise, like a side plank or, or an actual, you know, training exercise, like a, a deadlift or a squat. If I get the dosage right, they should feel better right then and there. The, the movement that was stiff or painful uh, five minutes ago should feel better right then and there. And that's evidence that that's the right amount. And if we can hit that sweet spot every single time, they'll move forward. That's why I don't need um, massages and, and Theraguns and things like that. This stuff isn't bad, but if you don't get to the main point of actually pushing people forward safely, then they'll never get better. You are, you are hitting on a topic that I was going to spring on you later, which, and I just want to preview it real quick. We can spin back, but this whole idea, there was an incredible article in uh, variety. I think it was variety this week. Anyway, it was this extensive article about these incredible technologies that they have out now for recovery, right? Everything is about recovery and they've got hyperbolic oxygen chambers. Yeah. They've got pants, they've got vitamin drips, yeah. they've got uh, ice baths. Uh, yeah, they've got- Cold uh, laser. Yeah, 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 on and on and on. But it's like, everybody has the uh, you know the remedy but where's where's the the requisite stress to that we need <laughs> recovery if you don't train hard enough well you don't need recovery right you don't need this stuff right you don't need any of it it's it's predicated on the fact that you're training hard enough that you actually require it but they built it this just universe of these west coast studios that you walk in and it's nothing but one recovery treatment after another it's it's more fun to recover though to sit yes. there and recover and, yes. and ice yes. bath it's, it's not painful fun. like doing squats and it's more hard work no I, I love what you're talking about like in a society that's completely uh physically inactive uh obese diabetic is obesity and diabetes is rampant People are trying to over recover from stress they never received. I'm, it, there's just so much evidence of that. <laughs> it's like taking pre-workout if you're going to go and not even break a sweat at the gym, right? Well, the, la the ladies who walk around my neighborhood carrying water bottles, 
Oh, they made you hydrate <laughs> around the block, Marty. Because because they got us because they got to stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah, they and and I'm going. I'm going. It's it's 65 degrees out, and you haven't sweated since 1979. <laughs> have you seen the ones with the belts that have like four yeah. or five bottles? In case they yeah, keel like, over. <laughs> Nevada. I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> Listen, it's. Uh, I don't think it's any of anyone's fault except that. Uh, the, the marketing companies behind these big brands just do such a good job. It's hard for us to compete. But I think the coach Carmen Bott has a quote. She's out uh, in the British Columbia in Canada. And she said, uh, there's no um, recovery tool that can make up for poor programming. Um, it, you know, just if, if you dose stress and, and rest and food, properly that's better than any technology and i wish we could focus on the fundamentals because all that other stuff is like a little one percent cherry on top the, the, uh, big, yeah. the big rocks is, is what you're talking about and also and also most of these recovery uh tactics are passive it's yeah. something you have done to you right yeah yeah but the best recovery is but in order to to cause the body to grow and strengthen we have to exert the, the body up to or past its momentary capacity. Right. And uh, if we don't do that, recoveries just feel good going to the carnival. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what I do with people on assessments. Like when we talk about um, going back to JP's daughter, Sydney, I, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about programming. So how many days are you working out? How many days, what's your program look like? What are you doing? And right off the bat, they could see that she was stressing certain things more than others. And then that gave me insights into what she probably has to work on. Because uh, JP, is it all right if I share a little bit about the, the program? Sure, yeah, go ahead. And you know, she talked about how she had done um, lower body workouts uh, twice a week. Um, and then she would also do full body workouts uh, on another couple of days a week. And um, you know, it was obvious to me she wasn't doing enough upper body stuff. And um, when we started training some of the upper body stuff or her, her, the painful movements that we had seen with certain movements and exercises had gone away once we just fired up the uh, upper body a little bit. So uh, that's that's how we truly personalize. We just look at what people are missing and just kind of give them play to their we don't let them continually play to their strengths. We address their weaknesses. Exactly. Well, Ryan, I got to tell you something funny, too. Um, it's funny that it turned out that you told her she's got to strengthen her calves, right? That's one of her. And I remember you saying that and she looked at me. Now, my girls purposely try not to work their calves because they don't, they have the like the big calf gene and they don't want to get the, the big, huge calves. So, so they're reluctant, but I'm look, look, look that girl has elephantitis. I, I keep telling them, I said, the big calf gene it bombs at 25 and you just i said you're gonna gonna have like 30 inch calves both of you it's greater <laughs> oh it, my god it's greater it's greater than a man yeah <laughs> uh, i mean look that's I mean, that's why i talk to them and have this this uh long story where we just talk and figure these things out because the exercises she she was doing had were very plyometric in nature right she's running uh, she's doing explosive, like, um, you know, sort of things. And and if you study the demands of those activities, a lot of the stress goes to the calves. And if your, your calves can't handle all that load, why don't we just increase the capacity of them? 
Um, and then if, if I understood she was worried about the size of her calves, I can reassure her that I can get the calves to produce more force and absorb more force uh, without getting them bigger, then now she's going to be on board with the plan. She's actually going to want to do what I'm asking her to do. But if I just tell her, just do this, just do that, she's not going to listen, right? Right. So yeah, I think yeah. we need to reassure her of that. Just yeah, because, yeah. Just, I mean, just because just because someone is genetically blessed with a with an excellent body part does not necessarily mean that the tendons, the ligaments, all right. that stuff is strengthened right. and available and, and up to the you know to the hard tasks that are required. Right. Yeah. That's... No. And and one of the things that Ryan uh, hit on too, if I remember correctly. He said, look, you know, the training we're going to do isn't going to add all kinds of muscle to you. He goes, it's, it just doesn't doesn't happen like that. I mean, you have to specifically train for that. I'm going to have you do things that are going to make you feel better and strengthen you up and make you more mobile, mobile, uh, you know, so. If you if you want to if you if you want to increase muscle size, there's got to be a caloric uptake. Yeah. Right. It, right. It's got to be purposeful. You've got to purposely want it. It's like, okay, we're going to combine this thing and we're going to add some lean muscle mass. That's different. Man, it's so hard for girls to gain muscle, man. You know, it's like. And that's the, th that's the thing, Jim. There a lot, I think a lot of women are worried about. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they can pass that now. I mean, there's so much information and education out there. You know, it's just like, it's like saying you don't want to, you know, get your license because you don't want to drive Formula One. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You got to kill yourself to get there. Yeah, know? if it was yeah. that easy, I'd be. I'd look way better than I would. Be. <laughs> but no, that that myth is something that needs to be overcome. Listen, it's like it's probably frustrating for 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 people like you guys and myself, where we have to keep repeating ourselves, like, hey, like, yeah, you know. But at the end of the day, if that's what that girl needs to hear, I mean, you know, as as a um, a nineteen year old, you know, people are going to be concerned with this more than you know. We're older, so we don't really care as much, but. But, uh, you know, people are concerned what they look like and you got to meet them where they are and tell them what they need to hear so they can move forward. Like, that's really what the personalization is about is, is, is uh, just, just getting, connecting with someone and helping them understand what needs to be done. All right, I, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the, the lineage, Craig, and then everybody keeps going to Czechoslovakia. What's that about? Uh, so Craig has, so Craig is, a, a Craig, Craig Lee, Craig Levinson. Yes. He's my mentor. He's a, he's a chiropractor by profession, but really he's uh, much more than that. And he's, uh, he's after the truth and trying to help, uh, people get better. And so 30 years ago, when he was still in chiropractic school, he learned from Dr. Carol Levitt and, uh, professor Vladimir Yanda. And they were based out of the Czech Republic. So a lot of his work is- what, what, what was so revolutionary about what they were doing? Um, I think, uh, so there's a lot of concepts that they uh, taught that, that became popular and aren't popular. And then, uh, but basically they, they were, Dr. Carol Levitt really stressed what we were just talking about is the history and getting to know the person and understanding uh, all the drivers of someone's pain. And, um, you know, he's famous for a few other things, but those are the things that we still uh, take from him now. He's, he, he talks about um, ma making sure the, 
the methods serve the goals and not, you know, it's not about the methods. And, and uh, Vladimir Yanda was, I guess, most famously known for like the upper cross, lower cross syndrome, but just looking at how certain parts of the body can affect other parts of the body. And, um, you know, I think, I think those- For example, what would be an example of that? Uh, so there's one part of uh, one study that I know he published about if you sprain your ankle, um, uh, you know, you, you limp. And if you limp, you know, the, the gluteus medius on that side uh, won't function as well during the time uh, you're limping. But even after the tissues have healed in the ankle, uh, the gluteus medius function doesn't just come back to where it was. You have to kind of go out of your way to jumpstart it and get it back to where it was. So, you know, when we have people with ankle issues or calf pain, I mean, uh, uh, stability problems in the ankle, we train the gluteus medius up top and then it tends to offload the ankle and help it develop and function better. Does that make sense? No, I didn't understand any of that. Did you, Jim? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what what doesn't. Now, well, now Craig is based in LA, right? <laughs> yep. And uh, he, he travels all over the world spreading the message, right? Yeah. Um, so, and again, and I, what is, how is it, how would you classify? In other words, <clears throat> when Craig throws a seminar, what's the overarching theme that brings everybody together? Uh, our mission is to stem the tide of the inactivity crisis. Uh, I love so, that. The inactivity crisis. Yeah, it's it's driving so much chronic pain, so much uh, yes. chronic disease, you know, it, uh, disability, pain, and suffering, all this, all this stuff, and yes. you know. So we just try to bring trainers, chiropractors, physical therapists together, and show them how to um, meet people where they are, use movement as medicine uh, to to get people active instead of. Um, over medicalizing people, holding people back, trying to correct like uh, little little things that don't matter, and just get people moving and understanding that they need to be. You know, our principles are to reassure them. Uh, that's principle one. Principle two is reactivate them, which is what I did with Sydney. Is give her a safe starting point, show her that the exercises are helpful, and that there's a path forward with them. And then what you know, Marty's best that we teach principle three is is resilience or strength training, which is producing adapt specific adaptations that qualities that people need. And then number four is uh, variability, which is no, another idea that Marty spreads is, you know, inevitably people will plateau. So you got to know how to jumpstart uh, progress by mm -hmm. attacking a different way, developing a different quality, do, using a different program. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think that the thing that, uh, that Craig, Craig and I hit a relationship up. Craig sought me out. I didn't, really know who he was. I, I was, uh, I had a relationship with Stu McGill, but I didn't know Craig and somehow our paths crossed And What Craig loved most about our strategy was another one of our t-shirt. Ryan, we're going to have this uh, future generation of t-shirts that are going to make us independently wealthy. It's just going to have really cool <laughs> yes. bond, bond mots in the front. And I'm writing it all down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there was a famous Civil War general, Nathan Bedford Forrest, and they asked him, they said, well, hey, what, and all these Prussian military experts were coming over because this guy was a, he was a military savant. He was a basically 
uh, ignorant, but he was just a genius with military yeah. strat strategy. So uh, they asked him how these sophisticated Prussians and Russians and Europeans came over and said, what is your, what is your strategy? He said, get their firstest with the mostest. That's it. Right. So I changed that for our, because of our thing. And I said, get the mostest for the leastest. Yes. Well, Craig loved that because he knew Craig was smart enough that he said, oh, hey, that's a take on Nathan Bedford Forrest, didn't it? Yeah, you got it. I was like, you got it. And he said, and he loved that. And, and that, that whole idea about, look, and this is also why the military sought us out because they didn't have time. Right. They, they had no time to train. They, the idea of training two hours a day, even three days a week, was ridiculous. They didn't have time for that. They had so many skill sets they had to stay on top of. They were the other extreme. They were the uber fit who had so many things they had to, skill sets they had to keep moving, that they didn't have any time for, for the classic strength training. Well, yes, they did if they used our strategy of you know you can get away with one time a week dude and craig loved that whole idea too he said minimalism he said that is it let's let's cut away the tricep kickbacks and uh you know the lateral raises do we really need that yeah it's, it's the bruce lee quote you got to hack away the unessential what is the what is the most you can take away from a system before it loses its effectiveness Right. And, I, and I think the other way to think about it is, is the highest reward for the least risk. Because yeah. we're, we're dealing with people who are scared to move. We're dealing with people who are afraid that exercise is going to hurt them. So I need to give them something that's going to make them feel good, but also produce results. So what's better than a high reward, low risk exercise? And, and, each, and each week we have them squeeze out maybe one more rep or go a little lower, go yeah. a little lower if, if they're yeah. really out of shape. We'll start them off with partials. Yeah, any kind of progress. Yeah. Party. That's yeah. what Seth has done. I got this lady I'm training now, and uh, she, could, she couldn't squat. She couldn't do a squat. At all. Nothing. Yeah, not even close. Do a freehand squat without falling over. Got her on mm -hmm. the rack. Then now she's doing mm -hmm. goblets with 16 mm -hmm. pounds. Yes, yes, yes. Walking three days a week on her. Yes. I didn't even yes. tell her to. It's just yeah. that she said, man, I, I squatted down the garden and picked up. Yes. And I'm like, there it is. There's there it is. Place. Right, Ryan? Yeah. That's what you get. Yeah. Get them a little. Because it's quantitative, man. You can measure it every single time they come in. That's right. It's one That's, more rep or just a little deeper or it's a little heavier. And, and that gets them psychologically fired up. Yeah. It, the whole thing about, about this whole fitness thing is at some point, enthusiasm has to take over for willpower. Willpower is a finite mental propellant. You can only force yourself to do something for so long. But enthusiasm, if, if enthusiasm is power in the process, that's solar power. Now, where does enthusiasm come from? result yeah. we want to see tangible results results are what power the process so we show me little tiny itty bitty each week each week i've got clients who've been working with me for five years and they haven't peaked yet yeah i, I love what you're talking about uh marty because i think that's where most physical therapists miss the boat is you know, if we're talking about these mills that JP was talking about is it's a conveyor belt. People come in and out and they get the, the cookie cutter protocol for knee pain, which is a bunch of random band exercises that are nonsense. But besides that is they never show the importance of 
the program to the person. So if I say, hey, today, you know, you, you squatted, uh, you know, 50 pounds for five reps. Next week, we're going to go 55 pounds and show them the improvement. But we're going to stay at 50 and you're going to give me six. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to stay there till we get to 10. Yeah. And then when you get to 10, we're going to drop it down, right? And 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 that fires them up. We got to take it away from it like it's brushing your teeth or taking a shower. No, we got to have them buy into the process. The only way we have them buy into the process is we get them fired up because each week they're getting better and it's mathematical. There it is. Yeah, that's and that's really important because if you don't lay out what to expect and what the plan is people get lost they don't really understand why they're, they're doing just it. they're just brushing their teeth they don't know you're just that's all it is man they got no more energy for it than that yeah and i think that's what uh, jp saw is i showed we did the exercises and i showed uh his daughter how that improved her her single leg uh, stance yeah. test her single yeah. leg stance test is related to her running so i just connected the dots so i showed her how the exercise improved it and i showed her how that was going to uh, to help her do what she wanted to do. And then now we got a little enthusiasm. And you got her fired up. Yep. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's a, it's Eureka moments. That's what I always called them when I was training kids. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, the, the, Eureka, is, the, the Eureka moment was for that lady who hadn't squatted down in 30 years, right. Kimmy, and you gave her that back. And then yeah. she, puts all, she puts all those Eureka moments in the cookie jar. Right. And then when it gets hard, when she doesn't feel like doing it, she can reach back in there and say, now, nah, you remember when I did that? I know I can do this today. You know, did, I've it, did, any, did, any, did anyone just understand that analogy? What was he just talking about? The cookie Co jar. The cookie jar. What? So it's this thing. Like if you get all your successes, right, and you put them in this cookie jar. Okay. When you say, "Man, I don't think I got it today," or "I don't know if I can do that weight," you say, "Oh, remember when it was? Remember when I did this workout and it was, it was so hard, and I wasn't sure if I could do it, and I succeeded. I did it then. I can do it now." Yeah, I don't know if I can put all that on a T-shirt, but I'm going to try. If you just put cookie jar mf -er, put that on there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, going back to what we're talking about, getting this enthusiasm is, is you got to, you know, treat it like, uh, you know, gamification, like uh, Xbox figured out is you have to unlock achievements. So if I tell someone, yes. like, I don't, if I, if you don't, you know, get to your 50 pound squats, a hundred pound squat, I don't expect you to be able to do those triple long jumps because, you got to uh, achieve, you got to earn the right to, to bear that much force. Then now they have a target. When someone has a target, they can work on their own to go get it. Otherwise, they're, they're lost. Especially but, but, tiny, tiny, tiny. Everything's and, tiny. They're eating the elephant one bite at a time, man. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a jump in weight or a jump no. in reps. It can be a little bit further down in the squat, a little bit more range of motion each well, week. Yeah, right? yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. As long as it's measurable. As long as it's measurable. As long as it's, yes, some, absolutely. Some, Progress. Again, I'm going to say this a million times. I came across this recently, the great Oscar Wilde, one of the smartest people of all time. And I asked him, they said, um, what's the goal of life? He said, the goal of life is self-improvement. Boom. I love that. Mm -hmm. No matter what you're doing, your goal is to get better. Right. And that's what we're giving these people. We're giving them a method by which they can regain function right you have to have strength to have function you also have have to have mobility we're, we're very big on range of motion ryan we're yeah. not we're not partial partial rep guys we're very big about now we have to be strong over every inch of the pie 
possible range of motion. And that's sadly lacking in the rest of the progressive resistance community. Everybody's purposely shortening rep strokes so that they do whatever it takes to make it easier, whereas we come at it from a philosophy of what can we do to make it harder? Yeah, I, I love um, I love earning the right to move forward and and, and uh, attacking the sticking points to go forward. Instead of just training the ego, you got to train the the demands that we actually need. And it reminds me of a different client that I started. I just started working with, and you know, she had talked about she wanted to see me 18 months ago, uh, but she never came because you know, I'm just a physical therapist, so she didn't really see the value because she had been to so many physical therapists and. Um, I gave her your, your squat technique. She, she was trying to get out of pain. Uh, she had hip surgery, uh, abdominal hernia, shoulder surgery, all these things. And everyone just trying to give her, uh, you know, different shots and surgeries. And she tried all that and it, nothing was going well. And I started giving her the, the squats that you, that you taught me where she would exhale at the bottom, earn the right to get lower, earn the right, uh, kind of like a, uh, what is it? Like a Taekwondo studio or a, martial arts that you earn your stripes you earn the belt yeah and yeah you increase yeah get a, a higher belt yeah and and she and she's now taking her time to do that and she feels amazing she's so hopeful she sees the path forward and, and yeah i'm forcing her to take full full range of motion reps and, and just push it up slowly and she's on board with that she she's doing what no other, none of these other doctors have been able to help her do yeah, strength strength helps everything. It also makes them more resilient to life's little, you know, bobbles and falls and colds, and you just bounce back from things better if you're stronger. Yeah, yeah, and and so we're earning the strength the right way, not you know, not not by cheating any of your the range of motion. You just go and you earn it, and that's something that I realize that most people don't do. You know, it's. Uh, it's such a small thing, but I take people back to the basics and almost everybody I have using some of these exhalation techniques, even with the, um, the upper back. Um, there's so many people who could just use a little more thoracic extension strength. And I've, I learned all these little hacks and neuro resets to, to improve their, their thoracic extension in the short term. But the techniques that you showed us for the overhead press and the bench press with the exhalation, the stretch, you know, you're working end range strengthening of thoracic extension, and, and that's been a game changer for all of my people since we've come to New York. Yeah, yeah, we, we you can use um, you can use payload to increase range of motion if if you allow a relaxation to enter into it, which is sacrilegious in resistance training. Never lose your tension, right? That's the mantra, and we're like, no, at the very basic level, lose your tension. It's okay because another of our little t-shirt sayings, dare to be weak, yeah. right? Just leave your, leave your ego at the door and come on in here and let's squat all the way down. And who cares if you can squat 400 your way, but you can only squat 185 our way, right? It's okay. It's okay. That's true strength. That's yeah. So let's just all this be weak but we're going to embrace that full range of motion and then we'll build on that wherever the jump in is no matter how weak we are we can improve on that you can always get better than what you were last week 
And Marty, when you go through that with somebody, especially for the first time, you're you're busting down the walls of intimidation because I think a lot of people too, especially if you've been injured or you're older, you you're not you don't think you can go down that far in a squat. You don't think it's good for you. You don't think it's right. You don't think you should be doing it. It have, is the proper thing to do. So you know, you're, we, you sure we have to reduce we have to reduce their body weight. They're not yes. strong. They're not strong enough. So we use tools like the cross core or Jimmy right. ha having his gal just just climb up the pole, right, Jim? Yeah. Just give yourself essentially you're giving you're self administering a force grab. Yeah. Yes. Another way to think about it is if you take let's say your knee joint and you take it through a, a squat through the full range of motion, you're going to maximum knee flexion. You're you're distributing load across. Uh, more parts of the joint, you're, you're increasing variability because if most people always squat in the same range. And it's yes. not just squats, it's any exercise. You're always placing stress in the same area. That's why people get this false sense that there's something called uh, overuse injuries. It's not really overuse injuries. It's, you know, the truth is it's wear and repair. You just have to understand how to uh, distribute that load well. And that's what your techniques do is by taking people through a full range of motion, you're you're allowing for maximum health, maximum uh, load bearing, and and maximum variability uh, and control through the whole thing. It's it's they, they had it. They had it as kids, right, Ryan? Exactly. And right. and you know, there's a lot of like uh, popular courses right now that I don't think are that useful. Like uh, there's somewhere they they do a lot of you know I don't, I don't want to call anyone out. It's just a lot of end range strengthening in, in this. Uh, very isolated movements, which can be helpful in some cases, but I've learned from your techniques, like if you squat all the way to the bottom, you know, with an upright torso and upright shins, uh, you're taking your knees, hips, and spine to end range everything. And if you're not jolting out of the hold, it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're training uh, uh, the, the, the ability to handle stress in those positions and yeah. it works for all the lifts. I mean, the shoulders, I've seen so many people's shoulders just improve with the, with the, the techniques you've shown. And, uh, you've no, one, no, no, no one pushes anything overhead in this day and age. <laughs> They're scared. So every, everyone thinks overhead is bad for shoulders. No, it's just like anything else. You got to earn the right to move that kind of weight it, it, or that kind of speed overhead. Well, also, it depends how you do it. Right. We, we have a certain way. Our hold is at the top. Our hold is at lockout. Everyone else, their pause is on the chest. They have a long pause in the chest. Then they jolt the weight. They throw it up about three quarters, never really locking it out. And then it falls back down. Then they jolt it up again. So they have these sort of three-quarter partial reps where we say, no, the, the rep actually starts at the lockout. Now, you hold the damn lockout. You release. You get a slight rebound off the collarbone. And then you want to rest, rest at the lockout yeah, sure. because, because that's where all the deltoid and tricep contraction is. Rotator cuff, balance, yes. Right? And it's physics, right? It's a stretch, you know, it's a uh, stretch shortening. Oh, you have to use real tiny weight. Oh, too bad. Yeah, but then, they, you know, all of a sudden, it's just like that bench press technique that we talked yes. about. The safest, safest, and you can use the most weight eventually. Eventually. 
and yeah. that's what you'll be able to do. You have that. to earn your you have to earn your way. There's that's a lot of bus stops. <laughs> that's one of my goals with my clients is to take on the mindset of what uh, Simon Sinek calls the infinity game. Is there's no end point. So no. so you got to just be ready to play the game in the long term. You don't have you don't have to be in a rush, but if you're committed to to staying and training, which everyone needs for health and longevity and, and quality of life, then just take your time and build it up and just have the mindset that you're just going to continually improve as opposed to just, you know, I just, uh, I don't know how people look at it, but that's what, that's what they need. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, I think that the knowledge and reassurance that you're, that you're giving people, all you guys is, um, is the game changer. I mean, without that, how do, how do we really, know what our limits are and how we can improve and all that. I think like we were talking about the conveyor belt uh, PTs, you know, I think there we're just kind of going through the motions here and being shoved out the door and we're not getting a clear understanding of what we're doing, why we're doing it, how, what the, the real end game is. So I think that the educational part of this and the reassurance that they should be doing these exercises this way with full range of motion, all that. I think that's the most important thing here. And I yeah. think by providing people with that and they can, they can do anything they want. They can re rehabilitate themselves the way they need to be. They can, they can be mobile in their life the way that they need to be with full mobility and, and, and all that. So I think that's uh, the biggest thing, knowledge and reassurance. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. That's what my team, my team has a uh, physical therapist and strength coaches and the job of the physical therapist is to do what you just talked about is to reassure people that training is okay uh, for them. And it's actually the path forward. Because if you study what's actually going on in the world today, we don't have an epidemic of traumatic injuries. We don't have an epidemic of people's bones breaking from, from car accidents. We have an epidemic of inactivity, chronic disease and chronic pain, which stems from just not, uh, you know, it, it's stuff that that develops slowly over time. So we know the solution needs to be addressed slowly over time. So the first thing we do is make sure that we're not missing uh, something that, that, you know, maybe there is some uh, a previous injury or, you know, a cancer or something. As, as long as we rule that out, we know that the solution has to be gradually building up your activity. So once we reassure them that, then we say, okay, here, here's a safe starting point. They, they start doing stuff it makes them feel better and say look i want you to do more and more of this that'll help you get better and that's how you're going to reach your goal and and uh it's a process that's why we take two hours to do our evaluation it's not you know we can't just tell everyone just do this you're going to get better because they're not going to do it right that's what we're dealing with hey, ryan do you, do you know you know how we put the math into walking uh with the heart rate monitor yeah strapped very good yeah strapped them up man and so, you know, let's say the first day, these are really out of shape person, but they can walk, let's say they can walk. So, you know, they walk, whatever, uh, eight minutes out and eight minutes back and they're gassed, right? But we logged session one, 16 minutes, um, average heart rate, uh, 132, um, you know, duration, uh, you know, and, and, and then each day they can either maintain the duration and increase the pace or they can maintain the pace and slightly increase the duration like maybe on day two instead of 16 minutes they go to 17 minutes right. 
And if they if they had just one minute of session over the jump in, let's say 15 minutes, well, you know, within what 15 sessions, they're up to 30 minutes. Yeah, it's right. It's so but 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 they have, and they also they have a they have an age related heart rate max. The each session has a report card. So each walking session, they'll have how long was the session? What was the blended session? average heart rate, uh, how many calories did they burn? Uh, what else, duration, I, I guess the frequency, how often you do it. So, but they log that and then each session, again, they can choose to either increase the duration and maintain the intensity, which is the pace, or they can choose to jack up the intensity and maintain the duration. And again, I give them the choices of where's your head at? Where's your head at? I mean, would you rather go a little further, uh, same pace, or do you, you want to push down the gas and go a little faster and just maintain the duration, right? And get them psychologically involved. So much of what we talk about when we talk about results, when we talk about motivation, when we talk about putting math into it, it's, it's psychology. You know what, Marty, that's really good because that gives them ownership by, by you giving them a choice. And even though each choice is making it harder, that they have some ownership in the program then. Yeah. They, well, I'm making this decision. I used yeah, to do that with, with uh, athletes. I'd say, I would just put up on the board, you know, I would write everything out for the big exercises. And then I'd say two bicep exercises, eight to 15 reps, you pick. Oh mm, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get sick. You they know? love that. They love that. Yeah, what's the difference? Right? You're doing well. doesn't matter, right? But it yeah. gives them some ownership and it makes them feel involved in the process. They are. That's yeah. why you guys are pros, because you guys know you guys know the X's and O's, the science so well that you can you can play with the art a little bit and yeah. involve yeah. your person. And you guys know that, that you gotta have that person involved and, and, and you guys yeah. know you guys know your, your craft well enough where you know, yeah, it doesn't matter if we do this version or that version, you're still gonna get this kind of stress and we're still gonna move forward. So I love that. And that's what we try to do too. And so if I don't talk, if I don't talk to my client and I don't understand why they care so much about a certain thing, then I can't let them do that. And it's, you know, um, I didn't try to change Sydney's goals. I just tried to understand what was driving them. So I said, look, I don't care if you do this. I, at the end of the day, those are her goals and, and what she wants to do. My job is to just help them get there. So yeah, let them pick, let them, let them get involved. It's so much more fun for everybody. You gave her the mostest for the leastest. <laughs> the, uh, the actual Sanskrit translation of guru is he who points. Just show them the way. That's all. We, he who points, guru. There's the path. There's there it is. Yes. And, and that's, that's what the new age doctor needs to be because the old age doctor just tells everyone what to do, meets within five minutes. But I think, I think because most of our problems, uh, you know, technology has improved, medical technology has improved, lifespan has increased, but health span is the same. You know, 60 year olds today are sicker than 60 year olds 50 years ago. So, so we don't need, um, we don't need to be so prescriptive anymore. We need to meet people where they are and you can't, meet people where they are without getting to understand them. So uh, I love that what you guys do for performance informs what, you know, we do in the clinical world because that's, that's what needs to be done now. We need to shift from the old model. It's, it's easy. And, and we, they'll have some cardio activity that we can 
you can break down into mathematical certitude, though obviously their their resistance training. And again, they don't have to use barbells and dumbbells to strength train. We use what is available. Um, and, and again, if they're out of shape, we seek ways to make, have them be able to do what it is they need to do. We have methods for, for enabling those that are super weak, we call it below zero, to engage in uh, productive resistance training. Um, and the good news is for the super weak is that progress comes so quickly. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, I, I, that reminds me of a, a person I'm working with right now. Is a, She's actually a physical therapist herself, and she, she was a rock climber, and she fell off, uh, I think, 20, 30 feet off the side of a cliff, and she broke, she broke her heel. And, you know, that's a real injury. But these, these uh, principles still apply. And, you know, day one, she could only t- toe touch um, with, the, with a crutch. And keep in mind, I'm seeing her completely virtually. So all I have to deploy are the, the, the exercises uh, the sh- that you guys are talking about. I gave her a bunch of below zero exercises, which would be open chain, you know, uh, calf exercises. But I also gave her some quad hamstring stuff and glutes uh, because I know that those are all involved in each step you take. And then tell, tell her I brought my bench press up 50 pounds the year and a half that I broke my leg. <laughs> exactly. And look, and then look, we, we, as soon as we gave her those exercises, uh, she was able to put more weight on her toes. And then the next day, wherever we ended at the end of the session, where after all those exercises, she was able to put more weight in the next day she woke up, she was able to put the same amount of weight without doing those exercises first. And then now her starting point today is higher than her ending point yesterday. And then we just keep doing that. It's the same thing for a broken bone, for a your, your bench press max or whatever it is. You just dose the, the exercise the right way, below yeah. zero or not, and then it'll go up. You know what I also tell her? I'd say, girl, time for an upper body specialization program. Exactly. We train everything. <laughs> we train everything. That we, can. we don't wait, right? One of my other guys had a similar yeah. story. Yeah, your your whole body's not broken. Exactly. And, and this guy had been training him for years, and he fell off a, a, a ladder. Uh, he was holding his son. He fell off his ladder and was protecting his son, so he broke his foot. And uh, you know, he got surgery, and then he came back, and then he was wearing his boot. And then you know, week one, we were doing everything. We were just getting his conditioning up. We were doing arms, abs, uh, you know, yeah. shoulder. Yeah chest, back, everything and anything that he could do. Um, and that's that really set up his problem. And he could do a lot? Of course. I mean, <laughs> he could do stuff for, for days and weeks without just stuck in that boot. And then by the time you know he got his boot off, we would integrate more and more lower body stuff. And by the time he saw his doctor, they were like, they were shocked by how, how what he was able to do. He's, I mean, eight weeks out, he was playing 18 holes um, at the golf course and he's John, 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 John Perilla has a very interesting uh, idea that when a, an elite athlete injure, injures like a, their best body part, like let's say they're an NFL running back and they injure their leg, all the nutrients, the, the, the good body part had been taking the lion's share of the nutrients. Now that the good part, body part's offline, if the athlete will concentrate on the other body parts, all those nutrients are going to go there. And that's what he says is why so many injured guys who suddenly start working the uninjured parts 
experience really excellent games. Yeah, that's actually I never heard of that, but I never did either. But that's the way John thinks. He's a neutral. Well, Marty, dude. Marty, that's exactly what you you told me when I came home. I was bummed out. Uh, you know, I just learned I I had a torn meniscus in my right knee, and uh, I was like, oh man, I can't train legs. And you're like, well, you still have one one leg left, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love. I said, well, yeah, I do. Eddie Kuhn was able to work up, I don't know, 500 for eight reps with one leg. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and what, the leg press? Yeah. He's, I said, why'd you do that? He says, oh, we got a one-legged guy in the gym. I saw him doing it. That inspired me. Yeah. And there's research, there's research that shows uh, if, if you're already cast in one arm, you've got to train the other arm, and then the yeah. other, the casted arm gets better. Like, you've got to keep moving. we got to go. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, what yeah. you said about the the available nutrients for other body parts is very interesting because the guy I described who fell off the ladder, you know, he's uh, uh you know he's very upfront. He said, "I want to train for aesthetics." I said, "There's no problem with that. We can do that." And for the longest time, we we couldn't make progress until actually he broke his 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 ankle because we we focused on developing his legs in a way we never had before. And that had been the weakest link that was holding back even his upper body training. And right. he's better than he's ever been after breaking his ankle. And I was like, this, uh -huh. this is the gift of injury. I would have never been able to do the, this. That's great. Oh, that's another one we're going to steal. The gift of injury. That's, hey. that's a McGill, that's McGill's book. With Put, uh, put that on a t-shirt. I got it. That, that's what we're trying to do. Our you learn, you learn so much about yourself when you get injured and then you have to work on other things and you get to focus on weak points that you haven't focused on in years. Or, or, or you quit. No. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I injured my leg. I can't train. Well, I know. Uh, I know. You know what I mean? And that's like, okay, you know what? You're not for real. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd get kids to come down to weight room and they'd say, uh, you know, coach, I hurt my, you know, left shoulder, whatever. Trainer said not do and don't do anything. I said anything. You can't do anything. You can't do like one thing. I can't go over there and do one <laughs> like that. So you know, or the or the old one, Ryan. I'm sure you've heard this. Trainer said I can't, or doctor said I can't use more than ten pounds. What uh, if it's twelve? What happens? You're how do you, How do they even come up with that? And like, and, what, and it's a 250 pound guy or a 140 pound woman. Yeah. Hey, not <laughs> over ten pounds. Not over ten. pounds. Yeah, how does that even work? Picking up the, the guy's arm is over 10 pounds. Right? I mean, I always said, <laughs> backpack weight. Your backpack yeah. weighs like 15 pounds. You're carrying that all over campus all day long. That's the, Ryan, that's the same science that, that was invented along with that chart where you go to the doctor and he says, oh, you're six feet. You're supposed to be yeah. 160 or 170. Yeah. I think a better example would be that the doctor who told you, JP, that you absolutely should not train that injured back. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. That's no good. It's it's you got to meet people where you are. Ten pounds for the two hundred fifty pound person is obviously not the same as ten pounds for the one hundred forty pound person. Right. But the doctor gives the same advice to everyone. But that's what we're trying to break. We're saying, I am qualified to look at you to see if you're taking unnecessary risk. I'll squat. You know, like let's go back to Sydney. I'll squat you on the cross core first, not because I don't think you can handle more, but I just want you to feel safe and show you that it's okay. And well, then you want to see how she does it. You want to see yeah. the range of motion. You want to see mm -hmm. her posture when she's and, doing. And, and we want to take the poundage out of the deal. In fact, we want to even make her lighter. Make whoever does it lighter, so they can they can 
attain that archetypical technique, which we have, we have technical ideals. Yeah, and, and then as soon as she hits that technical ideal and she feels good doing it, I know that's safe. So then I, yes. then I, then I take it away and then I test the bodyweight squat. And then with the bodyweight squat, if it, she's also in the same positions, feels good afterwards, no more painful, uh, then I add some weight. And then I get to the point where it starts breaking down. This the technical proficiency starts to break. The ability to c control the eccentric, the ability to maintain an upright posture, the, main, the ability to stand up uh, to, to technical proficiency. To, and, and that's the point where I say, okay, look, this is where you need to start. And that's right. where we're going to train you today. And then I expect you to move up, uh, you know, whatever variable we want uh, each week. And that's all I'm doing. It's, it's not... It's not rocket science, but it's but but every doctor rather just say don't lift ten pounds. Well, it's 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 logic and math. Now the way that we would do it is uh, the way that I would do it, and the way that Steele would do it is we'd probably have our person work up to three sets of maybe eight reps in the cross core, perfect. Then graduate them to the goblet, mm -hmm. right? Light goblet. Now when they get to a point that. Um, they can handle 45 pounds in the goblet. Well, that's what an empty bar weighs. So now it's time to front squat. Right. And then the good thing is the front squat emphasizes the posture so much. That's right. But they've had they've had the cross core three times eight. They've had the goblet, what, three times five to eight, Jim? Yeah. You know, grinding. Then that form is in their head. Now we're going to put that new tool. We're going to put that barbell on their shoulder. And we're going to expect them to replicate the technique they learned in the cross core. They ingrained on the goblet. Now we're going to do it in the front squat. Then and only then do we go to the high bar back squat. Why do we like the high bar? Because it's in, it's the most unstable. We want the instability. We want that because that causes the squatter to squat more upright. Yes, the, the low bar, unless you've done the other four bus stops ahead of time, the low bar is an invitation to bend forward. And brother, if that barbell gets in front of your knees, you got a problem. Because yeah. you got to ratchet that sucker back into place and you turn your spinal column into a fishing pole. Well, and then that erodes their confidence if you go too soon to that, and then you got to start all over again. Well, you turn you turn the world's greatest leg exercise into the, the terrible lower back exercise. I see nothing wrong with with keeping them at the front squat or the high bar for a while. Or, or, or why if they or why even go to the barbell if they're just normal people? Why can't they just stick with the goblet and get? Because damn, I tell you, when I was squatting three fifteen for five, ass on heels. An 85, an 80 pound uh, dumbbell was giving me all I could handle for the same number of reps in the in the goblet. And, and Jim said the the key word is the confidence. And yeah. uh, if if everybody's telling you not to squat because it's bad for your back or bad for your knees, and I just had you squat, it, it may not be the way you know they think they should be squatting. But I explained to them how this version of the squat that they're ready for, whether it's the cross core or the, you know, goblet or whatever it is, eventually leads them back to where they're going. That gives them confidence in the, safe, the point where they are now. And it gives them confidence that there's a way to move forward. And, you know, that's, you know, we're just taking what you guys are proving to work in performance and apply it to the people who don't know how to, uh, where to begin and where to go. They just think, um, 
that something's going to uh, go wrong or it's going to be bad for them because right. that's what they've been told. So, you know, it just kind of comes full circle. It's just kind of, uh, it's the same thing just applied to a different population. And that's why I'm, you know, so adamant on trying to get you guys in front of more people because what you're doing works and it needs to be applied to more people. And there's just not enough people doing that. And we can, we can help get folks stronger for a minimal, <laughs> for a minimal time investment. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's why I want to bring people who've done that. And because a lot of my colleagues take popular courses that are taught by other clinicians. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, we, we all believe that exercise and training is good for people, but we're not going to people who are experts at exercise. We're going to other people with the same credentials as us, but haven't done what you guys have done. So I, right. I love, I love right. to, to the source. Ryan, it's like, it's like being, it's like we're the, the Taoist cave monks being lect lectured to by the head of the Eastern Studies Department at Stanford. Right. That's such a great analogy. That's exactly what that is. It doesn't make any sense. We haven't been out of the cave in 60 years. Hello. <laughs> but, okay, why'd you leave? Oh, I got tired of listening to the ant scream. <laughs> right? But we're being told that, you know, our, our knowledge is incomplete or we're, you know, Neanderthalic. And it, but, but empirical empiricism, it works. And it works the same methodology, the same minimalistic methodology works for the completely out of shape uh, uber beginner uh, all the way to the uber elite. And it's the same strategy, but with uh, different payloads and different tools. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love it. An unsafe, unsafe technique doesn't allow you to use heavy weights. So that's why it works for both. You know, that yeah. those techniques that we're teaching, you, you do those with 10 pounds when you're first starting off and you do those with 800 pounds because <laughs> that's the most efficient way to do it, but it's also the safest way. You're not going to have any kind of career if you're going for those elite levels or those elite numbers if you don't do it the safest way. Yeah, that reminds me of um, JP, uh, JP's other daughter, Carrie. Uh, JP, can I talk about How many about family her? members you got training with Ryan? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's a family ordeal now, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Ordeal. Ordeal. I'm not actually <laughs> training Carrie. It's, uh, she had a client. She had a client who actually flew up to New York to, to come see us. Uh, JP, can I talk about that? Sure, yeah. Yeah, and he, he, um, He's an athletic guy. He's, you know, he's uh, really fit. He's more fit than he, he realizes. But, you know, he'd been told that he had, uh, you know, herniated discs and arthritis and degenerative this and blah, blah, blah. And, and all those things are, are, you know, they're real things. But no one really took the time to understand his story. And uh, everyone, uh, you know, he either being doing too much too soon or too, too little too late. So he would have, he had pain after a, wakeboarding accident i think and uh, down his neck and shoulder and he never um no one ever brought him back up gradually uh, the way you guys are describing and you know people in let's say you know group fitness class would just be like yeah just go do this and you know he's doing crossfit and all these other things where you're just going from zero to 100 without any right no no, no intelligent way to progress it and all i did was show him that those exercises were uh, 
the right variation at the time that he was ready for, based on the process I, you know, we described before. And then when he just, I just saw him just build it up slowly. And he felt so much better afterwards. When, yes. you, get it, when you get it right, his range of motion increased on the spot. Yes, his pain increased on the spot. And most importantly, he felt like he had a plan and a group of people willing and ready to guide him each step of the way. And I wish that everybody would, would approach it that way because that's all he really needed. He didn't need a million MRIs, x-rays, shots, uh, surgeries, or any of that. It's just, it's just stress recovery adaptation, just meeting people where they are. And Ryan, what I like about this too is, is in this particular case, now you sent him home and, and my daughter is a, uh, a personal trainer. So you guys are kind of working together a little bit to what you've done is given him a prescription basically that uh, you've prescribed these different exercises and warm-ups to to fit his specific needs to get him back on track and get him healed up and so my my daughter is reinforcing those you know the technique and everything that goes along with the prescribed movements exercises warm-ups and things like that to continue um the benefit of the the whole assessment that he flew up and, and uh, experienced with you for about two two and a half hours. So that's a good system to have in place. So, uh, which is an important part of what you're doing. Yes, you're assessing them, learning about them, and then prescribing this prescription. And if they go off and fly back to wherever they're from, it really helps to have somebody in place that understands this whole thing and that can help. And I think you get on with them too and do follow-ups and things too. But if you have somebody that you're training with once a week, that's reinforcing the, the, the form and the, the technique and all that stuff, very helpful to get back on the, the road to recovery. Yeah, that's, I think that's the future. The future is trainers are, should be the first line of defense against most of the problems that we have. All I'm doing is figuring out what's safe to do, what not to do in the meantime, like what, what we have to earn the right to do. And then I just say, okay, if you achieve this first, you can get back to that. Now, this is what you start with. If the trainer, uh, you know, has learned all the things that Carrie has learned, uh, which is, you know, Marty's stuff, uh, some, um, some of uh, Marty's other friends, uh, Brad Gillingham stuff. Brad Gillingham, yeah. And, uh, Phil Scarito stuff. Phil all, all you end up doing is you end up learning how to, uh, progress the things that I gave her to do. And that's the model that we're, we're running at Reload now is we, we have a bunch of PTs. We just find, we reassure people that it's okay to exercise. We give them a, a, a starting point that helps them get, you know, get going, we jumpstart them. And then all the trainers just, just train them in groups, kind of like the pole bar and muscle on Sundays. We got four people step up to a bar. Everyone does their version of what they need to do that the PT found. And then we just progress with the trainer. Why, why does why do we have to unnecessarily um, have a PT involved? And why do we need to um, have the client try to figure out what the PT figured out and explain it to their trainer? They, they're not qualified to, to, to transfer that knowledge. We need to talk and, and get on the same page so they can just show up and do the work. Yeah, I wanna ask you something too that I think, uh, I don't know if we've, we've touched on it before, but you know, a, a regular gym goer, um, they're at the gym, they hurt their back what do they do? Where do they go? Who do they talk to? I mean, we don't want them to go to a conveyor belt type of situation. We want their, their injuries to be addressed properly. 
what do you recommend for somebody out there? You know, well, I recommend they, I recommend they get on a plane and fly to New York City and see Ryan. Right now, when that's not possible, what do you recommend? Yeah, look, it's 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 tough. I mean, um, I'll tell you the truth. I, I wish that you can just go down the block and, and go to your don't, Ryan. Don't you guys have a, a Craig Circle of Yes. God, what is your What is your organization called? Uh, First Principles of Movement. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're, you're absolutely right. Craig has been teaching this stuff for 30 years. These ideas, um, not necessarily you know the, the techniques and tactics that Marty's talking about, but the ideas that I've been talking about, how to get people going. Um, he's been teaching it for 30 years to doctors, trainers, uh, physical therapists, chiropractors all over the world, and. That's a that's a great place to go. You go to firstprinciplesofmovement.com. We're actually have a, starting a directory that should be out next yeah, month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who have done our, our, our coursework, um, and that might that might be in your area. Exactly, exactly. And there's literally I think that's awesome. In, in Asia, Australia, um, all over North America. So that's a good place Korea. Yeah. That's a new development, though. I don't think you had that last time we. No, spoke. no, it's a new development. So during COVID, uh, we couldn't teach courses. We were we were scheduled to teach all over the world: Istanbul, Australia, Texas A&M's uh, athletic department. All, you know, all these different places wanted us to to teach, and we couldn't do it because of COVID. So we went online, and we got everyone to do um, Zoom mentorship, twelve weeks, where we taught them these ideas, and then uh, we say. Next time Marty's in town, go take Marty's courses because we just gave you the, the the framework, but you still need to learn all the techniques and tactics. And, and that's kind of our network of people. And that's how we all got connected with, uh, you know, each other. And I think those people are real change makers who don't want to accept the status quo. You know, it's crazy that you have to ask, who do you turn to when we should all just be able to go to our doctor and physical therapist and expect to get good results. But yeah, well, you, well, that's that's not reality. Yeah, that's, that's a shame. That's not, that's not even close to reality. I've done it. And, and listen, you guys know my story. That guy, the, and my doctor telling me this was a surgeon, a respected back surgeon for many years and all that. So, the, you know, he's obviously not up to speed with all these things that we're talking about. But, yeah, a lot of people get injured. It's like, okay, where do you go? What do you do? What's the process? Um. So what's that website again you were just talking about? Firstprinciplesofmovement.com. Okay. Yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of information that we have, like webinars, webinars, by the way. Um, and then we have a virtual course that you can take and a 12-week mentorship where Craig, myself, and uh, another faculty member, Laura, who also got to learn from you, Marty, in DC. Um, we, we, we get on with every weekend and we teach people how to, how to profile them, how to figure out who they are and what they need. And then, uh, you know, from there we say, okay, that's the safe starting. That's the safe. Um, you've begun the, the process of, of, of mastery. Now, now you got to go and learn different techniques. You got to learn the kettlebell. You got to learn sprint training. You got to learn uh, Marty's barbell training. You have to learn, um, you know, all the things so that you can apply these techniques and tactics to the right person. Yeah. And that's the key to be able to individualize it as you go, right, Ryan? I mean, to be able to recognize something and say, well, this person needs that and, and doesn't need this, you know what I mean? Absolutely, you're right. The, I think the concept that comes to mind is is N equals one is you gotta treat each individual as an individual because 
you know, we try to do what Marty says, empirical evidence, we study research, but the research, you know, doesn't necessarily carry over completely to each person. So we have to be ready to be wrong. We have to be ready to do what we call guided um, movement exploration or guided behavioral uh, ex uh, experiments is to, I think this exercise might work for you based on what you told me your injury was and how it happened, but I'm gonna test it. And if I test it, you should feel better today. You should feel better tomorrow. You might be a little muscle sore, which is good, but you shouldn't be in worse pain. And that's how I know we got the dosage drink. Yeah, and, and see, by, by you explaining all that so it's so in depth, it develops a trust with the client. It's and empowering. You know, whether it's coaching, you know, at a seminar or coaching a, a kid you're going to have four years or a you know whatever PT client, you got to develop that trust. Where when when you say that to them, when you go in depth like that, and then they go, oh well, Ryan said I was going to feel like this. Worked on JP. What's yeah. that? Worked on JP. Yeah. Yeah. Trusted Ryan right away. I'm a new person. Man, it's such a key. If you had to add, and I, I did a podcast somewhere else, and they said, what's the key to, you know, having a successful athlete? It's learning about the the differences in the athletes and, and developing a trust with that, they, where they trust you. Like, if you tell them to do something, they know that you would not have them do it if you didn't think it was for the betterment. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And I love I love uh, when you share your experiences because that's what I'm trying to do as a clinician is to learn from coaches who have been coaching people for a long time is you got to build the trust to get what, you know, uh, uh, them to do what you need them to do. And that comes from getting to know them. It comes from laying out expectations so they know that, all right, you know what's going on and you know that you have their best interests in mind. I know, I've had- Well, also, excuse me, Jim, I yeah, just got to add this is that ultimately it comes down to you either get results for your people or you don't. Yeah. And if you do, you'll have longevity in this field. Yeah. If you don't, then you have to sell the sizzle because there is no steak. So you just, you exist on the churn. You exist in bringing in clients on the front end, knowing that, after a while, they're going to figure out, I'm not getting any results. So they quit, but you've got new people to, to come in the front door to replace those who ultimately quit. We're totally different. It's just, it's just about we, we follow where results lead and have, and they've done that for decades and decades and decades. I mean, that's, that's what we do. That's who we are. Right? It's, a difference, it's a difference in philosophic stance. I mean, that's the majority of, of the healthcare industry and the fitness industry is a lot of people consume. I think there's there's more people consuming healthcare services and fitness services today than ever in the history of the world. Yeah, we are unhealthier than ever. So obviously what we're doing isn't working. Well, the recoveries, the recovery industries is doing great, buddy. <laughs> exactly right. It's an industry, so, so I, I want I want people to get better. There's there's unlimited amount of people who need this kind of help. And we can get them better. Exactly. That's so, the problem. See, that's the, that's the frustrating part. It's like I feel like I don't know. I've invented a cure for you know leukemia, and nobody wants it. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's, it must be so frustrating. For you. <laughs> because it's like and. It doesn't take any time and yeah. it gets, it gets you stronger and you just do it and just go live your life. And it's that simple. And it's like, it's too plain vanilla, I guess, you know, there's no, uh, it's, 
There's well, no gimmick. There's no gimmick. Yeah, there's no sex in ultra minimalism, right? There's no. gimmicks, man. Yeah, it's a hard sell because it's basically um, very intense work uh, in short short doses. Yeah, it's it's, uh, and then people want to believe what they're being sold because it's easier. You know, we talked about it before. Like, oh yeah, you know, I just hope that the shot works because you know this is just an easier path. <laughs> yeah. Well. Either and there's so much everyone lose weight and there's and there's so much power in marketing and branding it's like uh you know and all this stuff is just like you know the formulas are figured <laughs> out with the infomercials and they know how long to run them and what times and, people eternally want to believe that there is a way yes. to 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 obtain their ideal physique without any effort yes and there will always be a market there will always yes. be a market for that always well, and forever and I think that's where you guys get lost sometimes because all the flash in the pan stuff tends to just be uh, so overwhelming everywhere you look. And it's like, oh, Marty and Jim and Ryan are, are preaching this, this plain vanilla stuff that couldn't possibly work because that's been used since the, the 30s or 40s or whatever. Well, it might work, but it sure looks weird and hard. And it's hard. See, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, you got to be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. And, and, you know, but if you do what we do and do what Ryan does and explain, hey, listen, you're going to feel like this in the bottom of that squat. Hey, listen, this is going to feel like this. And, and, you know, you're, you're going to yes. feel uh, that blood rushing into your muscles. You're going to feel some throbbing, you know, in your ears sometimes when we get to this point, but guess what? That, <laughs> means that means progress. And you can tell people are just soft, man. You can tell when they don't want to do it. Oh, you know, you know, else's progress is when they stop and their muscles all and pumped they, up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to get your hooks in them. You just got. Yeah. It doesn't take a whole lot. It's just. That oh, point. and that and that hormonal tsunami. You know, they love that man because a lot of them haven't experienced. They haven't worked hard enough to have that hormonal release of you know endorphins, adrenaline, uh, serotonin, dopamine, all that stuff, man. Yeah, I'll tell you, everybody, you they have it. They have that, and it just needs to be brought out, man. They, well, but but, but, it, but it's related to how hard you work. Unless right, you work to a certain intensity so level, you'll never experience it. Right. And that's, you, that's what keeps us coming back for more. Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you that there's, well, you know, there's, there's, that's the reason why we're trying to grow First Principles for Movement and Reload is, is honestly, I don't care about any of that marketing stuff and any of the... Uh, the brand growing and this and that. I hate all this business stuff. I'm just interested in helping people. But if, if we don't do that, then, you know, your stuff isn't ever going to get out there. Our stuff isn't ever going to get out there. So, you know, we, we, have right. to, we have to play the We have to play the game, right? That's, that's what's going to make a difference. Well, it's proved true for the last 40 years. <laughs> well, well, listen, like, uh, you know, and that's why I want to keep bringing you get back to New York and getting a bigger audience. Yeah, we'd love that, you know, yeah, we'd love that. But you've know, got a good good turnout this last time around. We'd like to broaden it a little bit. It's more than just strength training. See, ultimately you have to step outside of your art to improve your art. Yes. If, if you just stay in strength training, you just end up rearranging the contents of the box. Mm. Right. You got to step outside the box. You got to go to nutrition. You got to go to cardio. You got to go to brain training. You know, you got to go to 
things outside of strength training to improve strength training. The way that Kirk took his strength training game to the next level is he got real super serious about nutrition. Right. And he leaned himself out and he turned himself into a fitter, tighter, more muscled up guy. You know what I mean? But but if he had just stayed in the comfortable groove he was in, he would have been just another really good bottom heavy power lifter that nobody remembered their name. You know, you're talking again about attacking weakest links, and I, I love that because that's my my whole focus. And we, you know, we touched on it before, but it's like, don't don't just train the stuff you're good at. You gotta go after uh, the weak links. That's the one thing. That's the bottleneck that's holding you back. And actually, that's going back to the question about Craig's lineage. Is that's what Dr. Carol Levitt taught him? Is we gotta correct the one key fault that's that's uh, causing the an issue and um, that's what I do. I just, I just, uh, look for the weakest link and then train it. That's if you constantly train that, uh, you keep removing bottlenecks and barriers. You're just going to keep moving forward. So, uh, I love that concept and, and I, that, I use it every day. And I'm glad you brought that up. Marty, you've written, uh, articles on, on, uh, embracing the everything you name it. I've written some training. Those, I swear to God, those, those weak subject. links. Yeah. Bring, up, don't, bring up anything. Don't fall, avoid the fall the of the Ro- fall of the Roman Empire. I'm sure right. I've written something on it. JP, <laughs> that's what we talked about in the bench press. Uh, yeah, the bench press. The new form, and especially in my case, when I switched to the elbows in and right, uh, you know, the descent and all that. How I got so you were weak. Yeah. yeah. You oh got my god. Like, I, what I did was I disassociated myself with the bench, and I was like, "Oh, this is a new exercise." I'm doing. yes, 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 yes. That's a good, you, that's you a didn't good avoid psychological it. way to do it. You yeah. didn't avoid it because you were weak. You worked at it, and you got better and perfected it. Ultimately, ultimately, yep. not initially. Yep. Right? Initially, it was that it was a hell of an ego blow. Right. What are you talking about? I can bench three fifty. Uh, no, right. you can't. No, you can't. Yeah, and Rob Wagner's <laughs> like, "Yeah, but do you <laughs> okay, yeah." Yeah. Yeah, but if you want to, if you want to stay at 350 for the rest of your life, keep doing what you're doing. Right. I had I had students that were reluctant to take the kind of that wider stance to you know the oh, yeah. stance, and they wouldn't do it for yeah. one two weeks, and then we plateaued. And yeah. I said, listen, take all your warm up sets in that stance, and yeah. to see how you feel. And right. Then, good, Ryan. Very good, man. Hate that. Finally, they broke through. You know, it's it's hard to you know you gotta kind of people won't listen right away, but. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's the attacking the weak links thing, or just changing it up. It also reminds me of what Marty's uh, really good at is when when someone has hit that plateau, you got to know how to supercharge and catalyze the program to get something out of it. And it reminds me of what I went through during COVID is you know all the gym shut down, so I had no barbells, and so I had no choice. So I just tried to move kettlebells, which yeah. are you know moderate resistance, really really fast. Yeah. And when gyms opened again, I PR'd on my deadlift after never touching a barbell for right. 12 months. Because you were a fitter athlete. Man, your you're probably low back got stronger and your shoulders got stronger and yeah. your abs got stronger. Yeah. yeah I think, I think and, you, and you were hungry for the barbell. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you miss it after a while. You're going to. Yeah, break. man. No, you're, you're fired up. It's like, oh, man, I'm ready to rip into some barbell. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that is another tool in toolbox. Get away yeah, yeah. From exercise. Yeah, so absolutely. You have to. You have to get away from 
Otherwise, there's no contrast. If there's no contrast, you're just, you're just, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. 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 That's what you're doing. And you got to get away from it. And, and most guys don't want to do that because they're really good at their craft. Oh, I don't want to get away from my craft. I'm, that's where my, that's where my sense of being is my, my sense of self. And it's like, if you want to get better at it, you, you really need to kind of take a vacation from it. So when you come back to it, it's going to be fresh and you're going to approach it with a different new mindset. Yeah, I, I love that. That's that's Craig's principle number four is variability. Craig's that's, principle number four? Yeah. He's starting to sound like meter now. <laughs> Wait a minute. That sounds like plagiarism. Uh, well, I'm older than I'm older than Craig, no, no, although no. I am just 39. <laughs> no, but, but listen, I, I love it when... Craig's <laughs> principle number four. Huh? I just love when other people from different places arrive at the same conclusion. Truth, the same truth. Yeah, and, and you, you, when you, when you can recognize that something is getting stale, you're, the return on your investment of your effort and your time isn't yielding the results it can. Like you got to be able to recognize what you can switch to, and you actually inspired our team to have kind of a a year-long, long-term athletic development type of program where we have four different 12-week programs that attack four different types of biomotor qualities. And when you're done with one 12-week cycle, our team will look at you and say, look, you know, you're topped out on your barbell lifts. I think you should switch to, um, you know, just like maybe an upper body hypertrophy program, which like, and, yeah. and then when you're topped out on that for 12 weeks, uh, you know, go to a kettlebell program, build your explosive strength or go back to the barbell. But our team will look at you and say, listen, like, you know, you can't keep doing the same thing and, and, and get uh, better results. If you're going to train for the long term, you might as well let us guide you on what is the next week link for you so that you can continue making progress. Do you guys have do you guys have uniforms? <laughs> no. But when you make those shirts, we will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, dare to be we're weak. up to like 25 or 30 yeah, different yeah. shirts by now. We start with dare to be weak. Mm, yeah. That's like the one that. everybody has to wear. That's like a buds. <laughs> I like that one. That's, that's that a lot. There's a lot in that one. That's what what did uh, Bob Smith and Chung Man Chung, the Tai Chi guys, would say? Invest in loss. Mm. Invest in loss. Yeah. Get beat because you could get your ass beat in, in Twisha, push hands. You say, yeah, invest in loss. And you're like, yeah, I'd like to punch you in the face. You said, <laughs> said uh, fail forward. That's another one. There you go. Fail forward. I like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's, it's different qualities when you really understand like how one thing can help the next. Like, I have all these women who are freaking amazing with with uh, kettlebells but their upper bodies are just so weak and because they never train it and then we just did 12 weeks of like old school bodybuilding upper body stuff and then yeah. all, all their lifts went up their kettlebell work got better their pains went away the, the barbell lifts went up it's like you're better at everything once you attack that weak link and you have to be, you what you taught them is they have to experience that targeted muscular contraction yeah you don't get that with a with a kettlebell because there's a lot of velocity and there's a lot of momentum and there's a, momentum, yeah. right and and like Olympic lifting the same way there's a lot of uh, dead space but in old school bodybuilding it's like okay first it's going to be 
Weeder principle number 72, continuous, <laughs> continuous tension. On, and don't tell me Craig already has that. <laughs> No. So, so they they would they would do continuous tension, even speed in the way up, even speed in the way down. So you got to use less weight. Uh, but they they would hit what Jim four or five exercises per body part. Right. I mean, just beat the hell out of a yeah. a particular muscle, and you know what? You learn how to contract that muscle because you're contracting that muscle over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, you get Marty. That. That's exactly what you told me you've been working on. Yep, that's right. I love that. Reestablish the connection. And if you haven't established it, you need to establish the connection, you know? Yeah. And that's my contrast to doing the, the powerless because the powerless are broad and uh, it's a compound multi-joint movement, which requires groups of muscles to act together in sort of a muscular, what, ballet in order to accomplish the task, right? Mm -hmm. well, that's a hell of a lot different than uh, doing a seated inclined dumbbell curl. And, and what you're describing just empowers everybody because now instead of demonizing certain approaches, oh, my approach is better than your approach from a, you know, a bodybuilding versus powerlifting, you're saying there's a time and place for everything if you just mm -hmm. know, if you understand how to apply it. And I think that's, that's what I think to clients every day. It's like, you can just go on the internet and look for any exercise. Every exercise is already there. You just need someone to tell you what's appropriate at what time. And you have to have a pendulum swing. Yeah. You have to have contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're right. Because 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 when you're too random, that's no good. Like you, you're not working out at that point. You're not progressively driving. No, you're ex you're exercising. Yeah. Yes. You're not you're not you're not training. Yes, randomness, no good. And that's that's most of what's happening in New York is is. And this is another thing I kind of feel strongly about, but I don't know if people agree with me. Is I don't think. The, the general public is qualified to decide what kind of training they need. So they go out to the market and they go, I'm trying to become more this. And they go, I'm going to choose uh, Barry's boot camp, or, or I'm going to choose Mile High Run Club, or I'm going to choose Rumble because it's going to get me this. And what they're really saying, nothing against any of those, those hit classes or whatever. I'm just saying that they're trying to decide what they need to get to their goals. And they think that the stimulus or the stress in, in those classes is going to get them closer to what they want but they don't know if that's what they need. Maybe they just need strength training and all those classes, they'll take a hundred of them and never actually get better at what they need. I think you give them too much. I think you give them too much credit, brother. I think it's just like that. They're walking through the carnival going like, you know, do I want to go on the tilt the world or I want to go on the roller coaster. Yeah. But to Ryan's point, they don't have the, the knowledge. So they no. know what to do. You know? No, but they want to, if you're, if, if everything's equal, let me pick something that's fun. And to them, everything's equal. Everything's equal. You know, this this heated yoga is the same as this boot camp is the same as whatever Ryan's preaching is. The same. Everything's equal. So, hey, what do I prefer? Well, I think I would prefer something easier. <laughs> so, but but I think that's where we're headed. Is the future is is having professionals. Uh, uh, to, you know, assess someone and say, "Hey, look, you, you you've been doing hit training for the last three months. I think it's time for you to do some strict barbell training, and or you've been powerlifting for you know seventy two weeks in a row. I think it's time to switch it up a little. And you know, that's a concept that you talk about, but I think most that needs to be based on. But, but you have that you have those arrows in your quiver. Most don't. 
Right, that's true. So if you only have one way of doing things, then you're going to try to force everyone into that's that it. box. Yeah. And that, and most only have one way of doing things. So, so what would you say is the most uh, uh, effective uh, training style or modality or, or method that you've learned outside of the strength stuff that you've taught us already? Well, the, exactly what we do in the seminars. We break it down to, I think, resistance training can be reduced to its uh, minimal, and again, how much can a system be reduced before it loses its effectiveness? At some point, you're going to reduce too much, and then the air is going to go out of the balloon, right? So how much can we reduce and still retain effectiveness? We think it's four exercises. Squat, bench press, deadlift, overhead press. I would probably add power clean as my number five. What would you add, Jim Rowe? I was going to say clean, but down the road a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or arms. I probably would, would work arms would probably be my next concentric circle out, but the inner nucleus would be those four movements, but we have five variations of each of the four dependent upon, you know, your degree of conditioning and all of that. But, you know, so there's a lot of variation within our minimalism, but in contrast to the minimalism, I think you should have periods of maximalism. Yeah. Right. And just, I mean, instead of heavy and short and intense and, you know, have periods of, oh, well, let's go longer and lighter and more cardio and lighter eating and more activity and more sunshine. You know what I mean? I think that, and then in the winter time, it's like, okay, <laughs> We're going to be in the basement, so we're going to eat some stew and do some deadlifts. <laughs> yeah, well, you talked about that before. Where yeah. we say, Today, I'm, we're, we're going to do five days a week, and we're going to do one body part a day. Yes. You know? And then yes. That for six weeks, and then we're going to switch to something else. And yeah. then, but then yeah. we're going to go to three days when it gets but, down to November, right? But, November. We, but, but we have all these tricks in our trick bag. Right. That reminds me of... Um, kind of the, the Russian sports scientists where they do like a, a GPP block preseason to build like work capacity and local tissues. And then they, that leads into strength training, which is then leads into like speed power blocks and then uh, things like that. Jim, is that how you guys ran your, uh, or is that influenced any of your programming at uh, Penn? Yeah, I did, but I, I did it based on seasons. So it wasn't so much, I mean, I knew it was the off season, so we're doing this. So I didn't really say this is a block of this, but it was, I guess you could say that, you know, Same you know, we're going to get as strong as we can up until February and the end of February, because that's when spring ball starts. We're still yeah. going to train, but I'm cutting it from four days to three. Uh, my percentages are going to be in that 85% range with pretty low volume because I don't want them sore, but I still want to, you know, keep them strong. And then after that, we're going to break it back down again, you know, add some muscle, and then as we get closer to the season, it's more shorter workouts with a lot of Olympic lifts. And because they're well, running. That's, that's a lot of damn contrast. Yeah. You got to be conscious of their low backs and shoulders. So you got to, you know, get them ready for camp. That kind of thing. So when, yeah. yeah. And, and switching your reps from 10 to 8, that's not contrast. <laughs> no, it's got to be more drastic than that. Absolutely. And that's what people don't want to do because they're very comfortable. They've got one way that they're really good at. They want to do that all the time and you beat it into the ground. You guys, uh, did you guys ever do uh, like max intensity lifts in season, like max intensity sprints and lifts in season? 
max intensity as far as what? Uh, like, you know, the barbell lifts or sprints or stuff like that, because I've been learning a little bit about that over the years. And uh, it seems not very popular, but it seems very effective to keep people's readiness for max efforts in, in game, in season, uh, you know, keep the volume ultra low. But, so, uh, so I would keep the volume lower. So we would squat on Sundays mm-hmm. and all our low back stuff would be on Sundays. That's actually the day mm-hmm. after the game. And you just know that they're, they're going to be weaker as the season goes, but we're still going to work up to a heavy triple or a heavy set of five on that Sunday. Right. Just to uh, top it off. Right. Just- yes. And obviously they're, they're going to be weaker just because the, the payload, you know, the, the load they have just the, the uni- wearing the uniform for two hours a day is taking away their recovery and taking away their strength. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so definitely high intensity and less volume in the season. Yes. That's awesome. Cause I have some I'm, friends. I'm, I'm, Ryan, not real quick. I'm doing the most exhilarating thing I do in late in life is uh, when the weather allows. Twice a week, I sprint. I do eight wind sprints. First thing in the morning, I do good amount of rest in between each one, like maybe a couple minutes, which is a long time. Uh, just most recently, what I decided to do instead of eight twice a week, I'm going to switch to three, five, in other words, three times a week, five sprints. But I go all out, but I use what they call a rolling start. So Charlie Francis called just cone drill, yeah. where you, you, you just kind of get up to top speed gradually and then you know you hit the accelerator and you give 100 percent. you can only go about 10 or 15 yards before you gas out when you're really giving it everything you have so i contrast that what i've been doing is as i've been doing my lifting on the same day and then resting my entire body the other days get it with a hammer and let it relax love yeah i love that i love that yeah and i love the fact I love that you're 72 years old and sprinting. I wish I could get my parents to just walk down the block. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I came off, I had a double meniscus tear in, in when I was 66, what's that, five, six years ago. So it's again, it's in the dose as I was determined. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but I had a little incident where I, I found out uh, I'd been a good runner as a, as a kid and as a young athlete. I played football for, God, a lot of years. And I just assumed I was, well, oh, man, I'm still a great runner until, <laughs> until I had to do it. And it was like, eh, no, you don't have nothing. Uh, but I thought I did because I've been doing kind of this sightseeing kind of jogging stuff. It's not the same. That's not when, when the it's, stuff hits the fan kind of stuff. That's right. That's exactly right. And I thought I had it and I didn't. So I took my time and I was so so pathetic when I first started out. It was just uh, kind of sad. Uh, but over time, and now it's years down the road, it's like, yeah, I'm, I got it back, man. And it, it feels good. It's, um, it's exhilarating. Yeah, you're living the phrase, dare to be weak. I mean, that's so inspiring for everybody. Like, it, you're not saying like, oh, I was good all along, and then I'm, now I'm screwed. Oh, also, also really important, I don't do any running on hard surfaces. I have a, a, a tree canopy that has uh, wood chips underneath it that goes for 150 yards. It's like, so I run on like a trampoline. Mm, 
So the, there's no leg or ankle stress. I could not, I would not do this on concrete or asphalt. Mm. I, I would, I would have destroyed my, my feet, my ankles. I've been doing this for yeah. five, I mean, five years now. You cringe when you're, when I see people on running on the road, man. Oh man. It's like, oh, cause I can feel my bones hitting my bones. You know, oh. they'll pay for it in the long run. That's a smart thing to do. Getting on that softer surface. Well, and then they have to wear the marshmallow shoes. You know, you know taking this, this idea to the clinical side of things, we learned in, in physical therapy school that they look at walking speed as a, as a, a vital sign because, you know, there's research studies that show that if you can't uh, walk 0 0.5 meters per second, like you got to be discharged to uh, a nursing facility, or if you can walk faster than one meter per second, then you're going to live longer. And they have all these things that correlate to that. And if you really understand what that research is saying is, if you maintain the ability to sprint, you obviously will maintain the strength, the balance, the power, the joint range of motion to walk fast. So really by doing sprints, and we're not talking about high volume and long distances, you're, you're maintaining longevity and health and all your joints and, and your, uh, your body and preventing falls and staying healthy. So we try to implement sprints with everybody in our, uh, in our facility. And uh, we actually want to bring in one of uh, Charlie Francis students. His name is Derek Hansen. And he, he uh, helps uh, Kansas city chief and other pro teams with their sprint programs. And, uh, uh, yeah, get a pro in, get a pro in, and get some get some some insider tips. Yeah, and, and we got to sprint everybody. That's that's what we want because yeah. I make a right? science of it. I, I I study it. I mean, I have a, a definite. I'm really into stride pattern and, and optimal sprint technique. You know, that's my thing. Love it. So yeah. I know, you know, I know all, you know, I I know sprinters. I've always. I've always studied them. So, you know, about Bob, Bob Hayes and, you know, the, all, the whole deal. So, yeah, that's great. Um, it's interesting. Now, are your, do you have your unfit people try to do this or you reserve this for your, for your top people? It's, it's, it's kind of like everything else, right? Like if the unfit people can't sprint, they're going to do some version of something that will get them closer to that. So, right, right. They're, yeah, what they can yeah, they're modified sprint or they're yeah, barely sprint. Yeah. So okay. if, you're, if you're really in a bad shape, we can do um, not even uh, A skips, but just A marching. And then the march. Yeah, or let's move as fast as we can for a couple, yeah. ten, se 10 seconds. Or if I want them to get like the joint angles, I'll push them on a sled. And if I, I think the Tabata protocol is so bad. The idea of trying to maintain an all-out pace for 20 seconds, there is no way, brother. You have to modify what you're doing. I'm so against that. If you really make a study of how fast the human body, whether it's the you study the top research, Charlie Francis, everybody says, when you're running as fast as you can run, you got about, depending on your degree of fitness and some other variables, maybe three to six seconds that's it. Yeah. If you're, if you're giving it everything you have, I have hundred percent. This is all I have. I have no more. You're going to gas out in three to six seconds. The idea that you're going to do these 20 second runs, it's just insane to me. And it's more hurtful to me. It's, it's, it's unnecessary and hurtful. You're taking the worst of the sort of the mid range cardio world and trying to 
jam it into a sprint context. And it's me, I, just, I don't know, I didn't mean to get too far off on the tangent, but I just wanted to say, I think 20 seconds is, is a bridge too far if you're really doing a sprint. Jimmy, it's like, and I know you can't sprint because of your legs, and I know you're like salivating, but it's like, when I do five to eight sprints, it's like doing top five to eight top sets. Right. Right now, I can't hit it a hundred percent. My first sprint, I get I get faster as I get deeper into it. By the by the final ones, it's like, man, I cannot get any faster. This is great. <laughs> and it get that you get that same hormonal rush. Oh, sure. Right. So now I'm getting with the weight training, now I'm getting with the sprinting. So now I'm in that altered exercise-induced nirvanic state. So what do I do after sprinting? Go knock the hell out of my upper body, right? With a bunch of isolation weight bodybuilding exercises. Then I take a steam bath alternated with ice cold showers and I'm like on an acid trip. Yes. I go home, <laughs> I go home, I go home. Cold yeah. Blazer. Yeah, and I go home and I drink a super shake and I fall into some sort of a narcoleptic nirvana nap and my body's growing while I'm sleeping. Right? I was going to say though, Ryan, that's a, and you mentioned <laughs> when I was getting ready to ask it about the sled stuff. I mean, that would be perfect for, you know, just walking and pushing. Yeah. Or walking with a, a sled with the weight behind them would be great. And going backwards too for the quad development as oh. you make that transition from, walking to weighted stuff to you know run you know running slower than than sprints you know that'd be a great thing yeah i love i love the variations you're talking about because when you walk with the sled uh with your arms behind for, you could even do sideways couldn't you jim yeah you could do anything yes man and for for adductors yes you step and reach and step and reach yes it's great i mean it's sled can be used in so many ways and the best one is to have the sled that you can also push you know, they had the uprights. That's what we had. And uh, oh, JP, weren't you asking about neck exercises? <laughs> neck exercises? No. Yeah, man. Weren't you? Wouldn't you asking us a couple of weeks ago about neck yeah, exercises? We you you oh, could put a you, head harness. You, yeah, head harness. You could put a head harness on and do a heavy sled. Yeah, I mean, there you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and put Front. a parachute on. Yes, put a parachute on. That would that would that would never open. It would never open. It would just drag behind the sled. Thimbles <laughs> together. <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, I'm glad we got into the sprint stuff too. Uh, one of my favorite. Tell your tell your sprint expert he can he should do that. That'll help the sprinting. Put the head harness on and put the parachute on it. <laughs> no, but listen, I I got one of. Uh, uh, a 2016 uh, 4 by 100 sprinter, one of my clients I've been with for a year and a half. He was already an Olympian in, in 2016. He came to me with back pain. Damn. The, the stuff that we did to get him out of back pain is all the stuff we were talking about today. And it got his, his top time uh, in the 100-meter sprint from 10.28 down to 10.16. That's and good. All, all, yeah, I mean, like, that's a, for an elite person to get more elite is really difficult oh yeah man we didn't do any specialized training we just found the weak links in the attack look take a look take a look at his body fat percentile does he have any room there can, uh, can, can he get ripped. any can he get any leaner or is he already ripped, no, he's, ripped. he's ripped yeah he's already there right 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 but but i just wanted to highlight how these principles these ideas will 
uh, apply to injured or high performance or feeble or elite performance. It, it, mm -hmm. it just works for everybody. So I, I really want to encourage people to, to kind of um, dive deeper into this and see how uh, effective this stuff can be and how many people see how many people they can tell, tell your sprint guy that when Flojo ran the, what was it, 1049 at the 1988 Olympics, the, uh, the female 100 meter dash record that's so far past anything anyone else has done, it's still unapproachable, that we heard in back channels that she was capable of a 315 times 10 ass on heel squat. So, so the, the, the point being, she ran faster in 1988 than Bobby Morrow did winning the, the male Olympic gold medal in 1956. And the reason that she was faster than Bobby Mora was she was stronger. She was. So tell your guy to get his squat up and yeah. see if that doesn't knock you. That, and that's what Ben Johnson did too. Ben Johnson turned himself into a little muscle monster. So you got to put more force on the ground. This is yeah, yeah, he was the yeah, fastest, yeah. fastest starter in history. There you go, Ryan. Force hey. through the ground. It's not... <laughs> It's not going to change. Physics isn't going to change just right. 20 years later. But so guys, anyway. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, this is my coaching mind. Immediately, as soon as you said sperm, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here's what I anyway. Uh, I would I would love to keep this going. I'm having a great time. I got I got a, a bunch of clients waiting for me right now, but uh, I can't wait to reconnect. And, and yeah, no worries, Ryan. No, yeah, this man. was this was awesome. This was uh, podcast gold once again. So uh, we always appreciate you coming in. I want to mention your two websites again. Your uh, first and foremost website uh, is reloadpt.com. Uh, and the, the other one we just found out about today is firstprinciplesofmovement.com. Um, as far as reload and, uh, reloadpt.com, do you have any, uh, you do a lot of virtual stuff on there. Do you have any openings? Can people call you and set things up still, or are you filled up or what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we want to get people going. So we will do virtual consultations anywhere in the world. Okay. We've been doing that. And, uh, even, you know, virtual training. I know Marty, uh, you guys do that too. Um, yeah. And then the mentorship for first principles of movement. Uh, is online as well and we're also back to teaching in person so we'll be in Chicago and, uh, awesome. in October um, and then awesome. we'll, we'll be hosting courses uh, year-long at Reload so look out for the next one with uh, Marty. Awesome big yeah. things are coming that's for sure. Appreciate it, man. Um, you can check out Marty's weekly column Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com uh, you can find his latest article athletic transference or lack thereof that'll be on our website I don't even remember. Uh, I don't even remember writing it. Well, yeah, it's it's one of your. Yeah, you probably gave it to me a month or two ago, so I got it right. all queued up and ready to go. Right. Uh, also, make sure to to check him out on uh, his Instagram, which is at the Marty Gallagher, and so, his his wife Stacy's website, oh, functional-strength.org. You can check that out. And of course, uh, if you're in need of any gym equipment, flooring, gym flooring, anything, strength equipment, barbells, dumbbells, bumper plates, racks, uh, go to ironcompany.com. By the way, uh, if, if you're a, a small to large fitness facility, school, retail space, or whatever, check out our 
heavy duty sanitizing wipes, the refill rolls and canister wipes to help fight against COVID. Everything's starting to flare up again. So protect yourself, uh, get stock. We're fully stocked and we ship immediately. So check that out, our sanitizing wipes. And then uh, last, but certainly not least, is Jim Steele. His articles can be found uh, on the Iron Company article section. His latest is, and we've had a lot of uh, comments and interest in this one, because I think a lot of people relate. It's uh, old man strength. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we're all getting to that point now. So we all relate to that one. Um, and then you can check out his website, Boss Barbell. That's B-A-S barbell.com. For training, motivation, programs, uh, opinions, hijinks, you name it, it's all there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks, guys. Are really good. Thanks. Uh, that care. was awesome. Thank Thanks, you very Ryan. much, Ryan. We'll talk, Ryan. Thanks, Marty. Take care, JP. All, all right. right, you too. Bye.